welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Two Boomer Women. (laughs) There's an origin story to the name of this podcast, but more and more as time goes by, my guests might well not be boomers, and on occasion aren't women either. This is season three, so I'm not sure whether the name will ever change. My guest today is a young woman I met recently at an online workshop we were both attending. She lives in a nearby town, and that's always a novelty when you're attending an international workshop with your workshop workshop with people from all around the globe. Carissa speaks with women in their third act about the golden thread of their life's mission. On the website, she explains, your life's mission is about reflecting on why you're here, what you are here to do, and who you are here to become. You can see the golden thread weaving through your life, past, present, and into the future, and experience the aliveness that comes from that. The more older women I meet, the more we agree about the wisdom we hold having experienced six, seven, eight decades on this planet. Many of you know I had a career in elder care, and I got to know so many amazing women who had done so much, lived through so much, and had been at the forefront of so much that we, and certainly younger women, take for granted now. And most of them thought they hadn't done anything interesting or worth talking about. It's our responsibility to tell our stories, and perhaps the stories of our mothers, to share the wisdom we hold, and in so doing, learn to tell our stories more consciously and move toward the most empowering, most life-enhancing, most meaningful version that hints of the why of our life. Now, that intro was pieced together from two web pages Carissa sent me. I sort of understand what she does and why, but the words don't fall off my lips, so I think the wisest thing I can do is introduce our guest and let her take over. Carissa Kazis. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thanks, Agnes. It's delightful to be here. Carissa, I do try to be prepared, ask intelligent questions of my guests. But while on one level, I think I understand, I will admit I struggled to create notes for our chat today. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows I bring notes. Um, So please feel free to correct me or clarify if I misspeak. Sure. (laughs) Okay, you're a young woman. How did you find this path and why did you choose to embark on it? Well, I would say, first of all, I am perimenopausal, so I'm not that young. (laughs) (laughs) There's been some pivotal moments uh, that I like to talk about. One is when I was about 15 and my father was very ill. 
and um, he suddenly died and uh, none of us saw it coming. I didn't know he was sick actually. And it was a pivotal moment because he didn't die a super happy person. And I made a commitment in myself at 15 that I was going to live a different life. And it started my pursuit of happiness, you could say. It started my, I'm not going to live that dream, that life. I'm going to live my own, which is going to be a much better version. Years later, I'm sitting at the table with my grandmother, who I was very, very close with. And uh, she was 80, and it was about half a year before she died. And she was kind of in this moment of intimacy, sharing that she hadn't really done everything she'd wanted to do. She always wanted to be a lawyer. And my grandfather was in a time where he couldn't allow her to be more educated than him because that was their time. And this was about um, 10, 15 years ago. So it's, it's still like those, those stories stay with us. But she had this thing. She'd always wanted to be a lawyer and she hadn't done it. And in my zest for my love for her, I said, Grandma, you can still do it. (laughs) There's people at 80 doing amazing things. And we do see this. We see people in their later years blooming, going to school. There's a, a woman who became a doctor and actually practiced in her late 80s and 90s and it really turns on its head some of our beliefs about this. So what that moment created in me was a desire to help her. I didn't know she had six months to go. And then when she left, I could feel both my grief for that, but also this this passion stirred in me, although I didn't know it then. I didn't know that that was a pivotal moment. I was just I just knew that it stayed with me and it kept speaking to me. And then um, now the other, I guess, kind of pivotal moment was having a child and being present to their unfolding and this, this idea of life mission. I've been training with Daniel for about 15 years now, Daniel Goodenough, who has developed a beauty of a beautiful body of work called life mission. And I'm present to my son's own unfolding of that, a sense that we come in with a knowing inside of us and it still needs to be chosen. It's not a guarantee that we'll live into it, but there's a knowing and there's threads that we can follow through our whole lives that speak to that knowing. We just need to be aware of them, present to them pick them up, weave them into our days, into the fabric of our lives. And so what now is I, there's many ways that I'm applying this. And one of them is working with women in their third act, simply because I seem to have drawn women from this time into my coaching practice. There's some kind of synergy there that seems to happen and where I just see them as being in a time of possibility. And I see them in this time of such potential, you know, going into the crone years. This is, this is biologically an important time and psychologically, you know, the wisdom years. 
So there's that part. And then there's the other part, which says life mission is really timeless. There's no, it's not a career. It's not a, okay, I'm going to now do this thing. So I need to have enough years to make sure that I can go to school and build the practice and do the thing. It's really a deeper understanding about why we're here. And, and it can be opening and blooming at any age. And when we come to that time, as one of my friends says, when the years ahead are fewer than the years behind, there's, there's just a certain level of complexity that comes in because you've got all these years to look back on in, and all these years to see from what has been to see what this golden thread is. And also this sense of the present and what's possible down the road. So that's a little bit of how I got here. I find it interesting too, because my friends and I are all sort of in the 70 range Mm -hmm. and we really do see, I guess the, the past, well, the future was always infinite and it is no longer infinite. As you said, there are few, fewer years going forward than we have in the rear view mirror. And, and so whether it's our story or our mother's story, I hear from a lot of women, oh, if only my mother were alive, if only my grandmother were alive, I want to talk to her about this. I want to ask her her experiences around that. And just to, to partly gain more wisdom, but I think also to fill out our own personal story because we come from those stories of mm-hmm. our mother and our grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do. And then we have... They, they inform us and it's also a conversation about what are the threads that we're carrying forward from that story. So I look at my great grandmother and my grandmother, they were both matriarchs in their own way in their families. And there's such a strength that I feel from that. And there's also a kind of a pushing off. I think we're meant to push off from the previous generation. We're meant to hear the stories and take them in and then kind of leap off from those. That's my theory in so many parts of life. (laughs) You know, like like somebody (laughs) will carry the torch this far and the next generation pretty much starts there, you know? So, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, and the life mission piece is, there's a generational connection on from a cultural sense, from a the family you're born into, and then there's also this individual soul aspect as well. So there's many layers to it. So you're talking okay. about continuity. You use the word thread. On the website, it talks about the golden thread. Is, is that a good place to start? Like, can you talk to that? Sure. So the golden thread is something I've had people ask, is the golden thread simply looking at my past and the stories I've told about my past and finding a way of up-leveling those stories, finding a way of making them more golden in a way. And it's no, (laughs) that's, it's part of this. That's part of this work is finding the highest story. So the highest story is the golden thread that weaves through But that highest story is really about not just the story that would make me feel good about my past. It's about 
why would I have had that experience? What is that experience telling me about why I'm here? So for example, one of the ones that I share is in my own life, I was born as a highly sensitive child. So I can tell the story of I was highly sensitive. No one really got me. I had, you know, this like baggage around that for a lot of years and feeling like a bit sorry for myself, but also feeling angry and then empowered and then wanting to help other people with that and understand what it means to be highly sensitive. And so I can look at it as there's, there's a kind of a hero's journey there and an empowerment story that of my journey with being highly sensitive, which is okay. Like that's, that's totally fine and perfect to have. Okay. Here's my empowering story with high sensitivity. The golden thread though, would ask a slightly different question, which is what is it about why I'm here that made that a part of my journey? So uh, I'm kind of looking from a little bit more an objective perspective on my life, like an investigator. So I'm looking at that thread, that golden thread and saying, okay, so I was born into this world, highly sensitive to nature, to others. I had to learn to stand up for myself with that and understand it and go through different stages with that and have all sorts of experiences in different ways. All of that is a golden thread for something that I'm here to, someone I'm here to become and something I'm here to do. So then I look at, oh, well, how, what, what, what are the ways that that now gets expressed through my life mission? So through my writing or through connecting with others, but to feel that that thread, not so much from a psychological perspective, and there's certainly a place for counseling, but it's not so much from a place of you know, what happened to me and how I dealt with it. It's more a place of what is the meaning of that in my life? And what are the patterns that I can start to tease out that are showing me from my life experience that are hinting and giving me clues about why I'm here. So I see it more as the golden thread is the golden threads are offering me clues about why I'm here. It's not something I have to figure out. I don't have to say this formula of what's my passion, what am I good at, what does the world need equals what I need to be doing in my world, my purpose. It's Those things are all valuable too. This is a different way of looking though. It's very organic to our life experience and what we notice and the patterns we start to see so that it's just very true to who we are as individuals. And there's There's not, what I notice as I work with this, there isn't a sense of, okay, I've got it. Now it's done. It's, it's an ever moving process that has these things called epiphanies where it's like, oh, that's the thing. Like another example is, uh, I was reflecting on the other day, how, when I was a child, something very memorable for me was writing a story about an iguana and actually writing the story and, and the teacher put it on the wall along with all the other ones. I think I was in grade one or two. And then in my teen years, I wrote a story about 
um, living on Mars and the teacher put it up on the wall is, you know, the story on the wall. So I've had these two and there's probably another one in there, these memories and they keep coming back. They circle back around. Why am I remembering this? What is important to me about remembering this experience? And as I start to piece together these patterns, it's, oh, my life mission has something about writing and expressing myself and putting that out there and putting it up on the wall. And I actually just pieced that together the other day. There's, it's another one of these threads that's starting to kind of bloom and open in me around my writings. I've always known there was a thread around writing, but now I'm starting to feel the life mission piece of it more. But it's very relaxed because as life changes and as the world changes, I can stay with this thread. It's with me. It doesn't change. So I don't have to reinvent myself every time there's a new thing happening in the world. I just keep following this thread. Something you said in there about realizing that you are doing the writing and how what's happened in the past, like that, that the connection you found a connection because what I was thinking is when you're 70 looking back, there's more pieces. I mean, thinking of it, I guess like a jigsaw puzzle, I might be some oversimplifying, but thinking of it like a jigsaw puzzle, you have more pieces that help you see perhaps the bigger part. I've started to talk with my hands here, the bigger part of, of your life. And, you know, and I often think of gold as, the positive. I, I don't know if that's necessarily always true, but, but, you know, when you find the gold in your life, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously that's where you, where you want to stay, or that's that not umbrella, but that cloak you want to wear, perhaps something like that. Um, so I found it, found it interesting that because you are younger, I was wondering as you were speaking, whether or not, you know, you're looking back on fewer decades and it's the old story if you can you can see things clearly in the past, whereas to, to project forward is much more difficult. And so I'm, it was interesting when you said that this was a, a piece of my reality and that's where you found a way to tie it together. Like it came to you. It wasn't like you were trying to plan your future based on a shorter past. Well, I think there's something interesting happening um, being where I am because I am starting to get to that place where I can look back and see the pieces more, see the puzzle pieces a bit more. I think, wow, that was 30 years ago. You know, it's just so funny how often I've been saying that lately. That was that was 35 years ago or 30 years ago. I, it kind of blows my mind. One of the foundational pieces in this work is the sense of following the beauty, following what we find beautiful, following what we find extraordinary. And that to me speaks about that golden cloak, staying connected with that. There's a Rumi quote that is written in the caravan of remembering, let the beauty you love be what you do. Allow yourself to follow where you've felt that gold because there's meaning there. There's something important to keep tracking. Sometimes we think those times are just for the moment. And how often are we really feeding ourselves with those moments or collecting them 
in our lives, like beads on a string so that we end up with this necklace filled with these pieces. It's not always the big things, right? It's the little things, but it's the things that are unique to us. And even if a thousand other people find that beautiful, I think that there's something important here about the really honoring the uniqueness of the experience. And that might be something that for people who are in their third act, something that could be very exciting too, of taking that whole bundle of life experiences and having permission to just allow things to fall away that fall away and allow things to stay, to stay and to be looking from this slightly more objective place. Okay. So what really lit me up in my life? And to say now, instead of saying that was just that and putting that into a compartment, allowing that, like you say, to be a piece of a larger puzzle. Okay. There's this puzzle in my life and I have all these pieces and I'm just going to go with the idea. I'm just going to say, okay, the idea that there is a way that these fit together there, even if I don't see how they fit together. And even if I only see how a few of them fit together, that's okay. I'm just going to let that be. I'm not going to worry about how they fit together or or even what the picture looks like at the end. I can, I might have a sense of it, but I'm just going to start collecting these puzzle pieces. Some people have baskets or corners or journals or notebooks or places where they just start to collect them and, you know, giving space to them, like without any kind of judgment or, because that's a big one judgment, right? It's like, well, I love playing piano when I was a kid, but you know, it's too late for me now. And I don't have a piano and what could I even learn to play now? But what if it was more like, gee, I love playing the piano. And I actually did this. I got myself a little electric keyboard. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to take a few lessons. I'm just going to look at it online. I'm just going to let myself connect to that, that thread and and just see what happens if I follow it. So now it's not just a past thread. We're actually following it into our future. A little bit like the Ariadne's golden thread going into the labyrinth. Just letting it, letting ourselves follow and see where it wants to take us. Okay, there's two places I want to go, but I'm going to stick with the golden thread for a moment. Okay. Um, on the golden thread page, I read, and this is a quote, there's a movement of women experiencing more aliveness and vitality in their later years. More and more are saying yes to this impulse, it seems, to go inward and tap into this incredible storehouse of energy and inner knowing. What if it's an evolutionary impulse? What do you mean by evolutionary impulse? Like, So that actually comes from the thinking of Barbara Marks Hubbard, late Barbara Marks Hubbard, who was quite an evolutionary thinker. I think she passed away fairly recently, a year or two ago. And I have this delightful quote of hers that talks about how her sense is that as women come into their later years, there is a an aliveness, a place to tap in inside that is part of the evolving of us as humans. 
that there's actually this evolutionary place that is moving us as we age to feel more alive, not less. That there's something we're starting to counter. We're, we're advancing ourselves forward. So you know how a long time ago, people only lived till they were 40 or 50. Now we're living longer and longer. And those extra years aren't meant to be just, you know, I believe the possibility is there. They're not meant to be just, you know, enjoying some hobbies and relaxing. They're meant to be doing something. There's an aliveness there because there's a lot of women I feel who aren't done who are in that third act. They're starting businesses. They're, you know, going, doing the stuff that they've wanted to do, but it's a different quality of energy. I've noticed this in my clients and my mom. It's, there's a deep acceptance that's maybe needed around um, allowing the quality of energy to be a little different and allowing that space. There's a book, wonderful book called the inner work of aging that talks a bit about this too. Okay. You're going to say something. Oh yeah. No, it was just interesting that, um, it's gone. Doesn't matter. Okay. Something you said really twigged about um, just women on a go forward basis. But I've lost the, the, I was taking notes earlier because I thought I don't want to lose that thought. And, uh, <laughs> and when I'm really listening, it's like, right, stay, yeah. there, stay there, thought, stay there. <laughs> well, and I noticed this, like I look at my mom, who's also a writer and she is working on a book and she's in her third act and she's staying with this project and she applied for for, you know, to go to university and she's doing these different things. I just think it's wonderful. She's tapping into a resource inside of her that I think is a little bit of a secret. I don't think that the, it's fully out there yet, that this, this energy is there. And from a sense of supporting each other, we're all moving in that direction, you know, at some point. I think the world can only be a better place. (laughs) (laughs) I just remembered where I was going with that. Just how many guests lately on podcast, um, we've talked about the fact that as women, you know, we start out as daughters, we maybe become spouses, employees, mothers, we come back to being a daughter as we caregive our parents. And we're always something to somebody else. Like we, we are who somebody else needs us to be. But in this third act, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's all about us. And, and we have the time and, and the availability, which probably gives, I was going to say we have the time and the energy, but I think it's having the time and the availability that gives us the energy to really embrace what we want this to look like. That's beautiful. People are saying this, like a huge group of people to reach right now. That is untapped, a huge market, so to speak, in the marketing world that is untapped is this group of boomers and, you know, women who are just like feeling this movement in their life and they're looking around and going, okay, so what's here for me? So what do I want to do next? I've got this energy. I've got the life force. I've got the time. I can, I can now move on this and, and, and the solutions, the options that were there before aren't really 
all that always that interesting. It, there's need, you know, society needs to catch up to this. I really think because I've also talked to women who've said, "Yeah, I want to get out there, but I feel a resistance." I put my resume out there, and they look at how many years I have behind me. You know, is this just about me doing hobbies, or can I like really go out there and do things in the world? And part of the cultural shift that I feel really needs to happen is to make space and honor this time and the incredible intelligence and heart space that all of these boomer women or many of them can bring into the world. We need that. We so need, (laughs) we so need that ladies. (laughs) I find it interesting because I talk to people who experience the ageism or, you know, maybe they don't have quite the skills now to be super high tech. But that's where, as a group, as a demographic, we need to create our own community Mm. to really encourage that within each other, find ways to help each other, lift each other up. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if society in general isn't going to do it because they got a whole bunch of other things on their plate, that's okay, because we can do it Mm -hmm. with with and for ourselves. Well, and the other piece I just want to add to that is, There's something that happens when you put, when you skip a generation. So you put millennials in with boomers and there's a gift there. I think too, that can be really tapped in. There's a kind of conversation that happens because younger women, you know, women, let's say in their thirties or anybody in that time are in this new place of opening. And there's such a need for the kind of seasoned encouragement and wisdom that comes from people who are not just immediately after, because they might still have a little bit of, you know, uh, leftover from that time, but who've really gone past that time and who can see it and who can give them some perspective. I've seen this in conversations I've been in, the beauty of that. And I'd love to see more of that too. Kind of like the the grandmother crone or wisdom keeper who is connecting with the the woman who's coming into her own. Interesting there too, because just recently I interviewed a woman who had been asked to speak to an industry group, uh, industry convention where women were not the norm. It was a male dominated, had always been a male dominated industry. And she like I'm not a public speaker I'm not going to do this and so she sort of managed to find one of her male employees and said you go do it but the organizer found out and said no I want you on the stage Hmm. and so she sort of overcame all that baggage about getting up on stage and she said the interesting thing later was there was a lineup of women who Hmm didn't want to talk about the conference, didn't want to talk about the content of her speech. They wanted to talk about the fact she was a successful woman in their Mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. And she just gave them so much hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. those stories, I Mm -hmm. think those are the ones that have also got to be be told. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other thing I read, and I, I don't know if it ties together, but it was an exercise that was on there. And it was talking about, you survey and explore your home. Yes. And I found that really interesting because I sat back as when I read that and I went, 
oh, okay, that's interesting. And, and I wasn't disappointed by what my home said to me. What, but, what did you, would you like to share a bit about what you uncovered? Maybe we should share the exercise. I'll share <laughs> the exercise and I'd love to know what, what you okay. discovered. Can you, yeah. you set it up then, please. Okay. So the exercise is to imagine that you're a stranger in your home and you're looking around at your things and you're asking what are the clues? Again, it's about the clues. What are the clues that these things have about this person? What does this tell me about this person? Um, about intention in their, what might be an intention for their life? What might be meaningful to them? So you're really stepping back and looking objectively at your things. So there's not, it's not about the mess on the floor. It's not about uh, how much of this and not that. It's not that kind of thing. It's really just observing as if you're a detective in your home. What can I learn about this person and what might be important to them for their life mission? Okay. So as I, as I walked in my door, now you talk about not the mess on the floor, but for me, it, it is the mess on the floor because okay. what my mess is are old blankets that during the winter cover the carpets because my dog lives here too. And she's mid-sized long hair. And as much as I try to scrub her down, she's grubby. She gets grubby during the winter. So she still lives here and I don't have to worry about where she goes because there's a, these old blankets on the, on the carpets during the winter. Uh-huh. <laughs> and seeing as how winter seems to be hanging around, old books. I collect antiques and old books like probably 100 to 120 year old books and and as I say I've got antiques I come into my office and on top of my antique book desk (laughs) um, there's a lot of different things that I do we talked about the fact that my background on this zoom call is blurred because I have a children's bookshelf so no matter how busy I get in here and now I'm, I'm telling my own story and I realize that I'm not really removing myself but I always have time to have the children even in the office um, the, like because they're all little. <laughs> so it was. Yeah. So what did that. So so did you feel like you saw a Did you were able to see a clue in that? In those things in the antique books and the antique items, what you were looking objectively. I think the the the, the long the, lo- the long thread is what I see because. Mm-hmm. Some of my belongings are my mother's and grandmother's, mm-hmm. which I, I I don't have just because I have because I love them. And then it the thread sort of passes through me into two more generations. I have children and grandchildren. So mm-hmm. maybe I'd like yeah. just grasping. I'm grasping There's at threads like- here. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's really your conversation with you. One thing you could think about too, is looking at these antique books. What is it about them that lights up for you? That's meaningful to you? Is there, are they certain kinds of books? Are they mysteries? Are they old literature books? Are they encyclopedic encyclopedic books? Are the antique items from a certain place in the world, a certain era? What is the the nature of these things that you can just start in, let's say it's literature. So then what kind of literature and what 
are they mostly comedy or romance or historical or uh you know and then you can you'll you'll start to you might get even more refined clues there well what's interesting i mean if we're going to talk about the books is i think i started collecting 30 years ago when the option was to send someone's books to the dump which to me books are sacred i, I love books and mm-hmm. So I just, I, I have to give these books a home. They, they cannot go to the dump. But as I started reading them, I've told so many people the story of like, oh my God, like it was a, a, a storyline that mm-hmm. was so unique. It was a storyline mm-hmm. that was, you know, created a hundred years ago. And it's unlike any modern story I've ever read. And that happened several times. And it was, so it was just that whole, I guess, the, the, I'm trying to decide between uniqueness or broad breadth of that experience of mm-hmm. a whole new, like reading a whole new style of book or a whole new storyline or theme, whatever it is. And just realizing, like, oh my goodness, like if you read books from that were, you know, printed in the 70s and 80s and 90s it's such a narrow thing. Whereas if you read books that were printed in the 1920s, mm-hmm. uh, 1930s, 10s, whatever, it, it was a whole different generation of people and world. Like the world was different then. And mm-hmm. so just the, the concepts and the things, I don't know. I'm off on a tangent. That's wonderful. <laughs> no. So then you, so then you could even look at, okay, pick, pick a unique storyline that jumps out for you that you really, you know, if you think of, okay, this is one of the books that did that for me, where I thought, wow, this storyline is really unique. And then you could, so uniqueness has a clue. There's a clue for you there in just that, in in the uniqueness, in story. And here you are doing podcasts and asking people about their unique stories. So we start to see the building blocks, you know, and there's, there's something about not wasting about about capturing and from that time in history. So there could be a something about, you know, maybe you're looking at one of the storylines that jumped out for you and say, okay, what was this storyline about that I was really drawn to? And, and then there's a clue in there and it doesn't even need to be a logically, you know, a logical, Oh, well, this, this storyline says this, and this is how this has, you know, happened in my life. It does not like that. It could be more like, okay, this, it was actually this character and what they stood for in the story, or it was this way that something was resolved that stood out for me. And then you, now you have another puzzle piece. Okay. That could be an important clue for me. Okay. <laughs> I have another exercise. <laughs> it's a bit like turtles all the way down. But once you get it, you get it too. You kind of, you go, okay, that's, and it, and then it sits inside, like it'll sit in your heart and it'll just simmer away, you know? And then the gift of it is as you start to piece these things together and you say, okay, I'm, I'm about unique story, let's say, and I'm about this kind of story. And I'm really interested in this way of telling it, something like that. Then as you're out in the world, 
that will start to light up for you. So you'll start to meet people or you'll start to have experiences that draw that to you. Because as we have that kind of clarity in our minds, as you've probably noticed with your podcast, you start as you got clear and clear of what this is about and what you enjoy about it, you start to attract the people or meet the people and go, okay, you, you'd be a good fit, or I want to talk to you, right? Yeah, that's interesting, because um, I've had several occasions where I've had to really step back from the me part of the podcast. And because I've always said, if, 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 if it's a message for boomer women, I'm interested. And I found that there's a few people that I've avoided. And I went, that's because I don't see space for whatever the theory, the concept is in my life. But I'm only one boomer woman. And if if I'm trying to have, if there's only five boomer women out there that listen to something that I think is way out there, it doesn't matter. If it's if it's in the infield for them, mm-hmm. then then it matters. Mm-hmm. And I will rise to the challenge to find out how to interview them. Mm. <laughs> so now I don't know if we're going sideways here or whether it's part of the big picture. Uh, there was something about life mission scales. Yeah. So what you did with, with the walking around your house, I so love that you did that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> That's a scale. So the way Daniel thinks about scales, he was a musician in his teens and 20s, and he's a drummer with a band, and and he spent hours and hours doing music scales. So the music scale over and over again allows for the jazz later, allows for the improvisation later when we get practice with doing them. So his work So he wrote the book, The Caravan of Remembering, which is a novel about a man who's exploring his life mission and he encounters the Caravan of Remembering or he's called there, which is kind of like an alternate universe in a way. And he has these experiences there and builds a resonance of being in this conversation about his life mission that he then brings back into the horizontal world, all which is our everyday world. All through the book are questions. And at the back are about 80 some, is the collection of all the questions at the back, 80 some questions. A scale, that is a scale. It's those questions. So there's many of them. He's got thousands in his library, what he calls life mission scales. It's all ways to help us practice answering the question because when we answer a life mission scale, we're using different parts of our brains we're actually bringing together different parts of us. It's not just answering a question like you would, what, what's your favorite, whatever. It's, it's calling forth something else, a different kind of intelligence in us. It works with our existential intelligence, some people talk about. So it's building a muscle. And the more we do it, the more we build that muscle, the more we're able to be in that conversation about why we're here skillfully and artfully and beautifully. So we get our epiphanies and ahas and we open that energy inside. We unlock it. We unlock that enliveness. It's a way, a path to doing that. So um, one of the things our community offers is called Caravan Go. Every week we have a 35-minute session where people can join. And it's very simple. We have a two-minute presencing practice of just coming into presence. And then we do, we offer a scale 
from Caravan right now. And it'll be like, what were you designed for? Or what would you not put down in your life? What, what were you designed to express? Or what would you not put down? What, what is your essential nature? Things where you might say, how could I even answer that? But over time, the answers start to come. So we have this um, free, open community space. It's on our website, www.caravanofremembering.com. People can go there and click on and get the Zoom link and just hop on. And it's share or not share. There's no, people don't have to share their answer. We, it's short amount of time to build the skill. Um, we also have a email class where people can receive quotes and questions to help build the skill. So we're, a lot of what we're doing is to help people become fluent in this conversation with themselves so that in the moment when it really matters, when they're at a crossroads, they can drop in and have enough of that pattern together that they can be like, this is where I need to go. This is the direction. And I'm not deciding this. I'm knowing it from a deeper place inside because I've been building up that inner knowing, that inner intelligence of my next. That that makes uh, I won't say more sense, but I think it, <laughs> it, it creates a bigger picture because when I thought of scales, I was thinking of the balance. Oh, interesting. And, and I, I was having a hard time. I mean, I, I only was having a hard time. Balance is great. And we often do like to have balance in different parts of our life, but how many different parts like I, I guess I was trying to create this scale in my my brain that was almost like a uh, one of those things you hang from the roof with all the different things. For, uh, what's it called? Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so great. <laughs> but but the music scale makes so much more sense because not only can it sort of go up in progressions, it can also move around depending on the music. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I maybe we need to <laughs> add a sentence somewhere <laughs> on our website. <laughs> no, make them think. <laughs> but I, I had never thought of that before of the balance balance scales. I mean, maybe there's a way of talking about that too. So. Well, I've just told you I like antiques. I have this beautiful set of brass scales and those are delicate little things, your weights that you're putting on. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to go through my notes here. My goodness. I did listen. One thing I wanted to mention is I did listen to, and I want you to talk about Daniel in a second. I listened to the stillness meditation and I appreciated on behalf of many women I know Daniel's, I take it they're Daniel's interjections of there's nothing to figure out. Yes. Like in stillness, there's nothing to figure out. Yes. There's nothing to sort. There's nothing to plan. And there's nothing to change. No one to be. Yes. That it just uh, like we women have so many common threads where we're always trying to stay one step ahead. No, right. And and to experience stillness and just to let that go, uh, it was really interesting. It was, I I really liked it. It was short, oh. but it was. Uh, I think just because of those little interjections, I went. You talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I listen to that often because in the middle of the day. 
our minds just get so full with stuff, right? To come back into presence. And just that thought of, oh, I don't need to change anything. I don't need to be anyone right now. I don't need to figure anything out and just giving that space. I remember the first time I heard it too. So that's lovely to hear. Yeah, it's because that from that place of not figuring out, not having to be anything, then doing the life mission scale after that of, okay, I'm going to look around my house or what do I find beautiful? It comes from a different place inside. It comes from a relaxed place inside. So part of the, there's the presence on its own, which is great. And then there's also, now what am I going to do with that? So now I can ask myself a question that's going to, that I can go deeper with that is designed. Daniel was saying there's something like seven aspects of flow and doing these questions does about five of them five for to help people be in flow, you know? to ask him to do a recording on that, but we, it does help us to be in flow, to even be in this kind of reflection. So flow and presence. This has been really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What haven't we talked about? I shouldn't clap and talk at the same time. What haven't we talked about that you want mid-age third age women to think about or to consider. Yeah. I'm right beside my microphone and I'm clapping. <laughs> um, I, I, what I would want women in their third act or mid age to consider is that life mission is more than a job. It's about who we're becoming, what we're here to do and our why these things are timeless in us and we can access them quickly. It doesn't have to take a long time to be on this journey. So I just want to encourage you to, to let yourselves be open to the idea that there's a possibility of aliveness that is there in you. And there's a knowing in you from all your years that you can start to piece together and become we have our own puzzle inside and we become the puzzle piece in the world too. We become a puzzle piece and there is a golden puzzle piece for you that you are here to become. And that puzzle piece is something the world really needs too. That's really good. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot to explore on the web pages you sent. Where would you recommend someone start if they really want to go deeper into this? Well, to get to know me, uh, they could go to www.caravanofremembering.com forward slash the golden thread. That's where I talk about my area. We're multiple guides in this platform and we all have different areas. My friend, good friend, Christine Paquette works with business women. Uh, my friend James uh, talks about being in conversation with life and the soul and life mission. Um, We've got other people coming online, other guides who work in the healthcare industry. So we've got, I'm putting those themes out, but anyway, so you can go and find my third act one there on the page. I also just suggest going to caravanofremembering.com. Check out the book. It's the second um, link on the top. Have a look, learn a bit about the book. Come to, uh, if you're feeling very brave, (laughs) come to one of our Caravan Go sessions and just check it out. You don't have to come on video or whatever. Just come and check it out. 
um, ha- uh, there's podcasts up there. So it's really where a person is leaning towards. Yeah, there is a lot of information. And um, I think checking out the book might be a good place to start and getting a feel for it. Okay. And I, I, I'm going to add to that. Everybody knows I come with notes. And I really struggled on this one. <laughs> but but chatting with you now for I don't know how long we've been chatting of uh, 50 minutes, whatever it is, it's, it's so much more clear. So what mm-hmm. I what all I was thinking is, you know, somebody goes and they're going like, Oh, my goodness, to tune into Caravan Go, even as a non participant, or to maybe listen to other podcasts, mm-hmm. it, you have really clarified so many things and, and allowed me to put a few of the pieces together. Oh, which, great. Yeah. I'm so glad. It's been really valuable. So, so I thank mm-hmm. you for that. I'm so glad. I, I actually had my first experience last week of somebody saying, I kind of get what you're saying. I can sense it, but I'm not sure I fully understand <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> like, okay, this is something, this is like a continuing refining process. And I love your willingness. Thank you so much for your questions and your willingness to explore this. But I think too, I, like, I don't know whether that person said they weren't quite getting it. there's a huge possibility that that wasn't your problem. That was their problem. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a balance of being able to articulate something. The caravan of remembering was written from a very deep place. And sometimes people read it very slowly because there's a lot packed in there. So part of what I'm really interested in, and I feel a mission around is unpacking it and helping to, make a bridge to this work, which I've found so supportive in my own life and, and, and in other people I know. So I see myself as making those bridges and finding the ways of articulating while staying true to the essence of it. Okay. I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes. I always do that. And then people can <laughs> explore. Thank Listeners, you. I hope you found this chat with Carissa as interesting as I did. And I really do recommend you check out the links and explore and try out some of the possibilities that are available. Um, I mentioned the exercise, the caravan go is there, like all that stuff. I was just, it was almost like going down rabbit holes. It was fabulous. If you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening. And we can be found at Apple or Spotify, iHeartRadio, most places a person would listen to podcasts. And of course, there's always the website, twoboomerwomen.com, to leave your comments. Just click the Join the Conversation tab. Leave stars and reviews as they help us grow. And hit the subscribe or follow button before you go, and then you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. Share this episode with two friends you you want to share your third act with, who you know have a story that needs to be explored and embraced. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would, there's an application form at the website. Carissa Kazis, thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today. Thank you, Agnes. It really has been a delight. I started that way and it really has. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's a two-way street. Have a great rest of week. Okay. Okay.